day one is in the books. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me. Training camp is underway. The first practice is over. And, yes, there was a familiar face on the field, one that we did not see all offseason. Buda Baker talk, plus the rest of the news of the day. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 653, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. So we have taken the show on the road here in Glendale, specifically State Farm Stadium for 2023 Arizona Cardinals training camp powered by Cox. We have reported for duty and so has the mustache. Paul Calvisi reporting to training camp and typically, if I'm not mistaken, Paul, isn't the mustache, the summer mustache shaved? But here we are. It's still, as they say, as the kids like to say, it's rocking. If there was a video element to this, it would have been shaved. Okay. Okay. But so I'm, I'm really extending it as long as I can, trying to minimize the exposure slash embarrassment. Uh, yes, there were some haters on the sideline at the first practice, <laughs> although I did get a double thumbs up from Aaron Brewer. So that was good. Okay. The long snapper extraordinaire said, keep it. Don't listen to these haters and the naysayers on the sideline. So I'm trying to channel – that sort of vote of confidence from the Cardinals' long snapper, who, by the way, is 33 years old, is expecting a second kid, Aaron Brewer, so congratulations on that. But he already has 12 years in the league. Think about that. And you know his quick story? Because this is all about stories in camp. He said he didn't have an agent. He was undrafted. He got invited from San Diego State to Denver's camp, uninvited long snapper. He said his only goal, his first training camp, was, hey, Maybe I'll get to meet Peyton Manning. <laughs> 12 years later, he's done real well for himself as an NFL long snapper. And looking to be the long snapper once again for the Arizona Cardinals here this coming season. So we'll wonder if the if the barbs increase on Thursday when it's the first open practice and the public is allowed to attend and Polly Pigskin is walking the sidelines back and forth and Maybe hears it from the bird gang from the stands. Maybe maybe then Friday the, the stash will be trashed. Well, it's too bad that PEDs are illegal in the NFL because that's exactly what my mustache needs. It needs a performance enhancer right now. So, uh, But I got a late start, okay? The wife came down hard with an edict. She didn't want me to ruin all the summer vacation photos, so I got a late start. And, um, you know, that's my excuse. That's my working excuse, Greg. All right, so your three letters, P-E-D. I'll give you three more letters, P-U-P. The Cardinals putting three players on the physically unable to perform list and really not a surprise with two of them, Kyler Murray, Zach Ertz, both rehabbing ACL, ACL injuries. And then the third is rookie outside linebacker B.J. Ojolari, who, according to head coach Jonathan Gannon, tweaked his knee during the pre-draft process, underwent knee surgery post-draft, but will be back on the field sooner rather than later so that is good news but Paul we have not seen BJ on the field at all and he was standing but all we were told is that he tweaked something and we just assumed it was a hamstring because that was what he was dealing with before the draft but I am anxious to see number 18 on the football field because as we've always discussed 
edge rush, that defense, you need someone to step up in that room. And, yeah, it's July 26th. The season doesn't begin until September, but the more snaps, the more reps for a young player. I want to see number 18 on the football field. No doubt. The words from Jonathan Gannon, we quote, or they quote, cleaned it up a little bit, talking about knee surgery. All right. Uh, you hope you can use the word little. Hopefully it isn't a big deal whatsoever, but he's behind. He's behind the other guys in the position room. Uh, however, it's such that, look, if he comes in with his pedigree and his credentials, first team all SEC over the course of his career, only Will Anderson had more, had more quarterback pressures from 2020 through 22 in college football, period. So if he can come in and show right away that he's capable and he's explosive, there's no doubt he, he'll get in the rotation. Once again, Craig, I'm just going to go with my two-word phrase, no allegiances. And as you look out there and you look at the different names and numbers channeling through the first and second team, you realize, okay, guess what? I think everybody's going to be given a sufficient chance to prove their value in the NFL. Can they actually be a difference maker, a playmaker? And even if he gets a late start, that's one of those positions. Guess what? Third long, check in. Go get the quarterback. Yep. It's not like he's running the mic. Just get out there and, and get after the quarterback, especially in obvious passing situations. But, yeah, it was a surprise to hear that he had knee surgery, especially. Honestly, if you would have given me one guy to watch coming into the first day of camp, B.J. Ojolari was right up there just because we haven't seen him the entirety of the offseason. The other rookie on – well, not really PUP, but they put Garrett Williams, the rookie out of Syracuse, on the non-football injury list. He, too, coming off an ACL injury. Why the non-football injury versus PUP? Well, he suffered the injury in college versus the NFL. That's the difference they're really – that's the only uh, – the, the paperwork I didn't difference. know that, actually. Yeah, the, the, the paperwork – and I found that out earlier on Wednesday. It's just purely paperwork, but they all four can come off PUP at any time. It could be tomorrow, next week, whenever. Don't expect to see Kyler Murray off PUP anytime soon. Zach Ertz, however, who we heard from after first practice, which was closed to the public, so all we got to see and report on is the first 20 minutes. But Ertz – very confident, said it's not unrealistic for him to return week one, which is something that he has maintained since the last time he addressed the media after the surgery. He's always put that first game against Washington as his goal. Now we just have to wait and see. As he mentioned, he's got another test coming up, another hurdle, and then once he clears that, then he can practice and then really test out that knee. And look, here's another guy, 11 years in the league, if he knows the playbook, he's plug and play. So, okay, does he need the entirety of training camp? Absolutely not. So he's on his own schedule, sounds pretty confident based on what he told the media, and we'll see. Now they got backup insurance. They got Jeff Swain, who's a, a proven veteran. I mean, comes in at 6'4", 260, 57 career starts. So that was good to see him out there. I would guess the way it's currently constructed, Jeff Swain would go right up to your number two tight end, right behind Trey McBride, just based on the fact that he's been there and done that, unlike a lot of other guys in that room. And I think it's really an underrated position group in that this offense, everything we hear, Craig, is going to, quote, live in 11 and 12 and even sometimes 13 personnel. All and right, with who? Who exactly are going to be those guys? And if Trey McBride, as athletic as he is, and I'm just reading between the lines right now. As well as he runs, and he does run well, 
And if they're going to use a tight end in different ways, such as an H-back, at times almost like a traditional fullback, I envision that's going to be a Trey McBride. Now you go to some of the other guys in that position room. Former offensive lineman in college, Joel Huntingford, right? Undrafted guy. I mean, in rundown situations, he checks in. You have another undrafted guy, Blake Whitehart, who made some good catches in practice, number one. It is wide open to me. Bernhard Sykovitz, and he has been stout. He's such a massive dude. So, and Noah Tangiai from Philadelphia really knows the system, has proven himself before to this coaching staff. So that is definitely one position group where I think there is still a lot to be decided, and it's as fierce a competition in that room as any. The Swain move is intriguing because if you just look at what he did a year ago in Tennessee, and again, reunited with GM Monty Austin Ford, he spent the past three seasons with the Titans talking about Swain. He played all 17 games, started 13, but Paul only finished with 12 catches, was only targeted 16 times, and that tells me one thing. He's not in there to catch the ball. He's in there to block. And if you are comfortable with Zach Ertz and Trey McBride with their pass-catching ability, then you need a tight end that can block. And as Gannon said on Wednesday, Swaim, quote, can move people at the point of attack, end quote. And that is exactly what is missing in that tight end room. So it's just further reason to believe Colt McCoy, James Conner, DJ Humphreys, Will Hernandez, at least a half dozen different offensive players through the entirety of the offseason who said, everybody now, we're going to run the ball a lot more. So what really drives opposing head coaches nuts? It's the unknown. When you get a new head coach, a new coordinator, what's it going to look like? What sort of identity is that team going to have? Remember just, I mean, the state of the Lions for the debut of Cliff Kingsbury and that whole coaching staff, Matt Patricia, and how, uh, let's just say, uh, uneasy and how much anxiety they had about what's coming exactly. What are the Cardinals going to look like? Sort of like you go into this week one game against Washington. What's that offense going to look like with Eric Biennemi running it? And Jacoby Brissett, maybe QB1 by the time, they're done. Well, same thing for the Cardinals. All right. Drew Petzing, first-time offensive coordinator. Never called plays before. So how do you get a beat on what the Cardinals are going to do? All you can do is believe what you're being told. And what you see in moves like Jeff Swain, this team is going to emphasize the run game a lot more than we saw in the previous era. And history of Drew Petzing. Remember what Kyle Vandenbosch told us on the Red Sea Report where KVB came up with his own little stats, his own little nuggets about 12 and 13 personnel. Again, quoting Kyle Vandenbosch here. Browns, I'm, I'm writing this down. Browns, top five and 12 personnel in 2022. They've been number one in 13 personnel over the last three years. The Eagles, number one in 12 personnel in 2022. So not only is your head coach familiar with that second tight end, but Drew Petzing as well. Two different teams, but what is their background? And again, until we see it live and up close, and we'll begin to see that and be able to talk about that more in depth during the first open practice on Thursday. Even then, though, do things change between July, late July, and early September? But again, what are we being told? What do we see? And what is the background of this coaching staff? All I know is four tight ends minimum are making the final 53. Just mark it down based on that. I, I think you're going to have to account for at least four tight ends and then go ahead and, and calculate your numbers from there, especially if Zach Ertz 
is ready to go week one at Washington. But that's really interesting. It's going to look a lot different. Cole McCoy talked about it with Dave Pash on the Pash Pod. They're going to huddle up. They're going to be under center. There's Even the quarterbacks are, are, are being asked to do different things with different footwork. It's going to be radically different. They're not going to live in the gun. I mean, Zach Ertz himself said to Wolf on his radio show, late, late going in, in the mandatory minicamp, asked how different is this offense going to look versus Cliff Kingsbury. And Zach Ertz's response was, quote, it couldn't look any more different. So these are all little indicators as to what's to come. Now, as for these preseason games, how much are we going to see? Obviously, you'll get a sense of the identity and some of the basic sets. But there's no doubt that this staff, like most staffs in the NFL, will keep it pretty vanilla. As we talk Cardinals training camp powered by Cox here from State Farm Stadium, again, day one, practice number one in the books. And we've gone, what, 10, 15 minutes and really haven't even touched on what is the quote-unquote big news item of the day and that is as head coach Jonathan Gannon said before practice Buda Baker not only here but on the practice field we both saw it Paul smiling joking with his teammates it looked like nothing had transpired from the offseason all the noise a reported trade request seeking a reported restructure of a contract perhaps guaranteed money on the two years left on his deal he has zero dollars guaranteed on the rest of his contract but baker is here we've yet to hear from him but he's here on the field to me the story is done i guess I don't know. In terms of the football side of it, yes. The business side of it, I think we'll find out. But it's much better than it could have been. Could have been Chris Jones not showing up to Kansas City camp. Zach Martin not in Dallas camp. Nick Bosa not with the 49ers to start camp. These are all all pro players as well who have decided to stay away from their team's practice facilities. That's not the case with Buddha. We saw him out there. And Okay, what does that mean? Does this continue while they continue to have conversations? We presume they're still having conversations. You don't know ultimately. Here's what we do know is he's most definitely part of the solution. He's not part of the problem. He is one of those guys who's going to set the tone with a sort of culture. He had this sort of culture before this coaching staff even showed up. So it's a perfect fit. It's a perfect match. And guess what? He's desperately needed on that side of the ball. The few times we've seen the Cardinals play without Buda Baker, you realized his importance. It's not unlike if you want to, you know, if Darren was here and we could talk a little basketball, but it's sort of like to me when Steve Nash won his two MVPs with the Suns, he clinched it when he missed oh, yes. a week because the team just looked, just looked, I mean, apoplectic without their MVP, Steve Nash. And so we've seen too much evidence. Yeah, well, you can count on one hand how many times Buda Baker has missed games over the, during the course of his career, but when he has, there's been a striking difference. Well, you were there front and center Carolina. in Carolina. Yeah. I mean, that's oh. that's the game that immediately yep. comes to mind, and all of a sudden, number three's not in the field, and you're like, okay, that's fine. You still got ten other guys that are starting, and you're you're good. And all of a sudden, just I don't know what your vantage point from the sidelines, but just watching it from afar, it just looked 180 from what we were used to, and everyone pointed to Buda Baker not being on the field. I think that was the COVID year. It was week four. I think it was 2020. It was at Carolina. They allowed in like 1,500 fans. We were relegated to the visiting radio booth, one of those deals where you could hear everything on the sidelines because the whole stadium was empty, and it was a state of disarray. And that's being kind without Buda Baker. So 
guess what? Um, everyone knows the importance. I think we saw it with the beginning of camp. He wants to be an Arizona Cardinal. He wants to be in camp. You know, I'm noticing that there's a trend here. A lot of the guys who've been brought in truly love football. It's not just their job. It's their passion. We talked to Keetrell Clark. He's going to be on the Big Red Rage this week. Whether it's an Owen Papo, who was also drafted in day three. I had someone on the sideline tell me, Gree, that there were a couple of people in the Cardinals facility every single day of the offseason. One was Kyla Murray. There were a couple other guys rehabbing from injuries. But Owen Papa was the other one. He was there every single day. And so uh, these are the kind of guys that they've identified. And if you can bring those sort of players in uh, and they're just not punching the clock and going through the motions, it does set a tone. And it does hold everyone else accountable. When players are putting in that sort of effort and there's this sort of competition, you feel compelled to do the same. And I know it was a talking point leading up to the start of training camp. Buda Baker shows up to mini camp, but he doesn't participate. But it's mandatory that you show up. He did, not on the field, but on the sideline watching his teammates. Didn't have to be outside. Could have been inside doing whatever, but he was watching. And then, okay, he's going to report to training camp because you can't afford not to based on the $50,000 fine per day that you can't get back even after everything gets worked out. He's going to report. And the question was, okay, you report, then what do you do? Do you hold in? Oh, you know, my hamstring, my foot, whatever. But that's not Buda Baker. That's not who we've seen. That's not who we've gotten to know. Can he watch his teammates participate in the sport that he loves, the passion that he has? That's why, to me, today's not a surprise. I didn't think Buda had it in him to sit and watch from the sidelines. Well, you had a better sense of it than me. I went on the record on Cardinals Underground. I fully expected him to do exactly what he did during mandatory minicamp for the start of training camp. Be in attendance, not be on the field. Not until the business side of things were settled. So, uh, I stand corrected. He was out there. Okay. Um, but we'll see exactly where this is tracking. Maybe there's an understanding. And maybe, you know, what is the deadline? Is there a deadline? Is the first deadline when you get to the preseason games? Is it the end of camp? Is it week one? Is it later this year? Remember, he's 27. He's in his prime. He has two years left on his contract. So when you say it's a process, because it's always a process, contract negotiations, what exactly is the timeline? No one's sharing as much. And the fact that he was out there on the field, I tend to believe that it's not as urgent as maybe has been represented by some media members, that it's not exactly a front-burner issue, that it can be resolved down the line. The understanding is we can't do anything now. Again, two years left on your deal, precedent. Yes, we know who you are. Yes, exceptions can be made. First-time general manager, not going to happen. Let's talk next offseason see where we are with one year left on your deal, which is where this typically happens more times than not. Two years on your deal left, that's where things kind of get a little dicey. And I get the precedent thing to a degree. Let's just say the Cardinals renegotiated his deal immediately. 
oh, look, here's a tweet. Buda Baker has new money. He's got a new deal, et cetera, new guarantees. You can plausibly look at the locker room and tell them, okay, make a couple all-pro teams, and we'll talk. Buda Baker is such the exceptional player that I think he's an exception to the rule. So I think you could swing that in that he's so he's so far above and beyond most players in the league that you could justify that without setting a precedent that you would regret going forward. My argument to that, though, is, yeah, you and I think that. The player's agent, right. a DJ Humphreys, a Jalen Thompson, I who are it. going to be in this exact same situation next offseason, okay. two years left on their deal, zero guaranteed money, and the player, the agent, you know, I – Here's what we don't know, though. How often does that already happen? Because I True. remember Rod Graves, when he retired from the Cardinals, and Steve Kime came in, and we had an interview with Rod Graves on his way out, and he shared with us a couple of things that, you know, okay, now that his GM post is behind him, he said, you guys would not <laughs> believe how often agents call to try and renegotiate existing deals. So to what degree is everyone looking to redo their deal uh, as it currently stands? I don't know, but look, he's out there. You hope he's going to be this same Buda Baker. It looks like it. It sounded like it. So early indicators are yes. And let's go back to something that you have referenced a lot when you talk about Buda Baker and how important today is this training camp. An interview that Buda Baker had back on February 4th with NFL.com. He pointed to training camp a year ago, the downfall of 2022. Quote, we didn't really have a lot of players practicing and doing a lot. He added, I don't think we were as prepared in the beginning of when it all started than what it could have been. End quote. And you say that in February, and now here we are in July, lead by example. And I think Buda Baker is doing that. Is he happy? Probably not. But this is the sport. This is his profession. This is what he loves to do. And I think maybe there is more of an understanding between team and player. Look, let's revisit this in a year's time. We can't do it right now. Yeah, we love you. We want you around. We want you to stay in Arizona Cardinal for your career. That number three, Buda Baker, is going to be a part of the Ring of Honor here at State Farm Stadium. Let's push this conversation to the offseason in 2024. But you're right. If he's going to live up to those comments that he made after the 2022 season, that the downslide started with training camp, then how does he feasibly hold out a training camp in the next year, especially when it's so critical to set the tone, set the culture, brand new staff, brand new defense. So, yes, I think that definitely plays into it. And I think he was 100% correct. Cardinals came out of last year's training camp. It was just a different mentality. It was, okay, the year before, guess what? We started 7-0, 10-2, and then we faded down the stretch. We dealt with a lot of injuries, but how many of those injuries were an accumulation of too many reps, too much hitting, too much physicality? Guess what? The team that won the Super Bowl that year, in a lot of people's opinions, was just the most healthy team at the very end, the L.A. Rams. We need to be that team. We need to be healthy. So we're just going to go ahead and – we're going to run a, a camp as we see fit. Problem was, by the time you got out of camp, there weren't a lot of reps. There wasn't a lot of urgency. There wasn't a lot of physicality. 
and you took on a Kansas City team that would be the eventual Super Bowl champion, and guys like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and company played quite a bit in those three preseason games, and it showed. They were regular season ready, and the Arizona Cardinals were not. So that's not the case this year. I don't think for a couple of reasons. One, you don't want to set that sort of tone. But number two, you have to run a more strenuous camp because you have so many more roster decisions to figure out. You have new talent evaluators, new decision makers. they got to see these guys playing football, not just going through walkthroughs and you know shorts and, and helmets. You can't have that. So for that reason – are there going to be down periods of camp? There's no question about it. But as Jonathan Gannon hinted, they're going to be ratcheting and ramping up, not just for these preseason games, but for those joint practices against the Vikings in Minnesota to the point where J.G. even said that we're going to get them out in the heat at some point. Hello, because this is the 27th consecutive day of 110-plus here in the Phoenix metro area. So... <laughs> Let's hope we get some monsoons between now and when the Cardinals, um, according to the head coach, are going to be heading outside for some practice time. Well, how about this from the head coach? Quote, we'll be physical this training camp, and then I believe it was your follow-up because we've all been conditioned to this now, the physicality of training camp, what everyone wants to know. In fact, it's just one singular person. That is our colleague, our good friend Ron Wolfley, fighting. Well, according to JG, fighting is, quote, non-negotiable. And he explained because you fight in a game, you're kicked out, you hurt the team. And what is this message from day one? Team first, individual second. So, sorry, Wolf and everyone else. There might be pushing and shoving, but there's not going to be any fisticuffs, if you will. And so winning behavior is what it falls under. That's what he calls it. But it's interesting because Robert Sala was just asked a couple of days ago. They had a couple of skirmishes break out of Jets camp. And his explanation was, well, it's tolerated to a certain degree. Guys get irritable. Guys are competing for jobs. Uh, he said, you know, my stipulation, my policy is no punches thrown because the moment you throw a punch, the official throws a flag. Okay, and so he explained it below the neck, above the waist. That's, he says he has seven kids, and he said that's what he tells his kids. You guys want to wrestle around below the neck, above the waist. You want to jostle and throw each other around. That kind of, Okay, so every coach is a little bit different. But at some point, at some point, we're going to get a fight. So especially when Mark – keep your eye on 78, Marquise <laughs> Hayes. The dude was a walking instigator last year. We'll see how it goes this time around. Will Hernandez as well. You don't want to miss with the uh, refrigerator as well. A couple of other items uh, that need to be discussed here on day one. As we saw the entire offseason, Zayvon Collins still working with the outside linebackers. What we did not see in the offseason, OTAs and minicamp, but we did see on practice number one, defensive line, big question mark. Rashard Lawrence, Jonathan Ledbetter, both in uniform and participating in drills during the open portion of practice. I think that's huge. But, yeah, everyone's going to follow. Where is number 25? Well, I was looking. And he's over there with Rob Rodriguez, Nick Rollis, the D.C., watchful eye, and continuing to develop his technique, work on his technique, and be a part of that edge rush group. I was going to ask Jonathan Gannon a question. What are you most curious to find out by the end of camp? But I wilted in the face <laughs> of the pressure. I figured maybe, he, I'll, uh, maybe I'll say this a little bit later. I wasn't confident he was really going to answer it, so I didn't want to waste the question. If you ask me what I'm most curious to find out in terms of this roster construction, what half dozen defensive linemen do you end up with? Do you have a first-round pick like L.J. Collier, who 
flamed out in Seattle? Do you have a Carlos Watkins, who was productive in Dallas, but they are loaded along the defensive front with the Cowboys. So he's now with the Cardinals. Is it a Dante Stills, who looked really good as a six-round rookie out of West Virginia, was really disruptive in the offseason? Now, I know, no full pads, no full contact football. You don't know. But just going through the drills, I, I can tell you a lot of the town evaluators on that sideline are intrigued by Dante Stills, a rookie out of West Virginia. And then you had guys who flashed last year. Jonathan Ledbetter had some really good games where we called his name quite a bit. And then you have the 2020 fourth-round picks, Rashard Lawrence and Lecky Fotu. These are two guys who I think are in the crosshairs. If they're not considerably better than some of these other guys, then and you're not confident you're going to resign them in the offseason, then I, I think you would opt for someone who's part of the future versus someone who's just going to play out the year. I don't know. I just, That whole 2020 draft class is intriguing to me. Josh Jones, you know, even Isaiah Simmons, what's his role? How does he fit? Um, but this defensive line room, wow. I mean, there is a lot to be determined there. And I think as soon as you get into pads on July 31st, those O-line, D-line drills, those are going to be scrutinized by the coaches. And, and then when you go into games, um, there's going to be a lot riding on these preseason performances. And look at number 60, the undrafted free agent out of Michigan State, Jacob Slade. Why do I point to an undrafted free agent? Well, he received a contract that included $200,000 in guaranteed money. It shows you how much the Cardinals wanted him. Maybe some other other teams wanted him. But that was more money than 18 free agents or other players' new additions to the team not a lot of guaranteed money handed out this offseason, and when you're giving it to an undrafted free agent, that speaks volumes. Look, you lost DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you can replace that. I'm confident the Cardinals aren't going to be hurting in the receiver room. But in the defensive lineman room, minus J.J. Watt and Zach Allen, that's the biggest question mark for me right here, right now. Next Gen Stats put out a number the other day, and it was in regards to Chris Jones holding out, wanting – Aaron Donald money. Aaron Donald was number one last season in quickest get-off, most explosive get-off in a D lineman. I don't know how they calculate these things. It was like .83 was his get-off. Chris Jones was number two. You know who was number three? J.J. Watt. You know who's number five? Zach Allen. So the two guys who walked out the door, one retired, one got big money, Zach Allen, to rejoin Vance Joseph in Denver. Um they were two of the more explosive defensive linemen in the league. So there's a lot to replace right there. There, there really is. Who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be that group of guys? And then if the answer isn't on the current roster, I would not be shocked if you saw a defensive lineman or two show up at the end of August via waiver claim. And they'll have time to take advantage of that opportunity as Cardinals training camp powered by Cox continue Wednesday, just day one. Thursday, the first open practice. There are 11 open practices here during this training camp period. Again, parking, admission, all free. Digital tickets are required. Go to azcardinals.com for more information. And, of course, we'll have it all for you right here, azcardinals.com, both online via podcast as well. Paul, appreciate it very much. Again, just getting started, but I think, you know, we're like right there. Ready for the preseason, ready for the regular season. I'd like to think I'm regular season ready. Uh, I'm definitely not. We're just trying to knock off some of the rust here, just trying to learn some of the numbers oh, by yeah. the time we get these preseason games going. Wow. 
there were a lot of new names and faces and numbers. Wasn't it Kaiser White when he met the media in the offseason? He said uh, there were so many new names and faces, he wasn't even close to learning them all. Everybody was just known as my man. My man. <laughs> my man. Right, you see it? Well, you can't get away with that in the media, now can we? If only we could, but we can't. You are my man, though, even though you are still rocking that mustache as well here as Cardinals training camp powered by Cox is underway. We will put a lid on that note. I'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amahandro. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.